athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I get it. I get it. I want it. I want it. I own it. I own it. I'm on it. I'm You're on locked it. into Let's the Dopey Show on radio from I'm the press box it. to press I'm row. I am your host, Donald Ware. I'm in it. Got a jam-packed show for you today here, as a matter of fact. Lechavius Simmons was the only HBCU player selected in the National Football League draft, and he's going to join us today here on the program. Offensive lineman out of Tennessee State. Another disappointing draft as it relates to HBCU players. I'm going to break that down. Got a lot more thoughts about that as well. Speaking of Lechavius Simmons, I'm going to give my thoughts. He's the only player, as I mentioned, drafted uh, from an HBCU in the NFL draft. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts on that today here on the program. Also, the NCAA's top governing body has said that college athletes can, in fact, benefit or profit from their likeness. I'm going to have some thoughts about that today also on the program so want you to weigh in on that as well also marino Cassum, the godfather has passed away at the age of 85 the former head football coach legendary head football coach at Alcorn state and other places uh has passed away uh, last saturday at the age of 85 gonna have some thoughts on the legendary marino Cassum also your participation here on the program always warranted Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Or you can hit me on my personal Twitter account at DWare1, at DWare1. Or hit me up on my personal Instagram account. Follow me also at WareDonald, W-A-R-E. D-O-N-A-L. Thank you to all of the wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. For instance, WFSK in Nashville, WHUR 96.3 HD2 in our nation's capital. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us around the world at box to row As I mentioned, I want to get right to this because this has been sort of a point of contention as far as I'm concerned for the last couple of years as it relates to the National Football League and the draft. And you go you look at the draft and once again, well, this year, anyway, only one HBCU player taking Uh, taken in the NFL draft last year there were four players taken one of those players Titus Howard was taken in the first round by uh, the Texans out of Alabama State the offensive lineman as a matter of fact went on to have an all-rookie season but then three of those players were taken in the seventh round of last year's National Football League draft seventh round draft choices And all three of those seventh round draft choices made respective teams. Daryl Johnson of North Carolina A&T made the Bills team. Joshua Miles of Morgan State made the Cardinals. And then, uh, of course, Quentin Bell of Prairie View A&M selected by the Oakland Raiders. And so you have that scenario where you have guys that are getting drafted and then all of those guys are making respective uh, rosters and 
You know, the, my point of contention, and I, I did a piece on BoxToRow.com, as a matter of fact, because I do something each, uh, pretty much each and every year, because when you look at the draft and where things used to be as opposed to where things are now in terms of HBCU players playing, there are not as many HBCU players that are being drafted like there once was. Yet, give, let me give you an example. 30 Players, former HBCU players, were on rosters to begin the 2019 season. 30 of those players, 30 players, okay? Of those 30 players, 14 of those players were free agents. So that means these guys were good enough to make an NFL roster on opening day. And, and, and that's over a longer period of time. Okay. It's not just, Oh, last year, 14 got 14 free agents signed. It, it, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying over a period of time, you have 14 guys that were ultimately free agents and ultimately made an opening day roster in 2019. You mean to tell me those same players couldn't be drafted? I mean, I can give you so many examples and, and, you know, the art, the piece I did a piece last year, okay, called make black college football in the NFL great again. All right. Because again, it's the same old story. Four players taken last year. I guess the four players taken last year. I, I, I don't remember how many players and I don't have it in front of me right now, but how many players were taking, uh, taken in the National Football League draft in 2018 but again only four you had one year going back uh more recently where uh 2011 only one player uh was taken in the national football league draft and it's just bit it's sort of of getting old and my point of contention i mean this is the thing i mean if you you know the league does a good job i must say of finding players if you can play they will find you there. I don't think there's any question about that. My problem is they find these players that are good, realizing that a lot of these players are good enough to play in the National Football League and then ultimately don't draft them or draft them in the later rounds. And when I say later rounds, I mean the late rounds, the sixth or seventh round. OK, or a lot of them, as mentioned, 14 of the 30 guys last year were free agents or they sign as free agents and the thing is they when you sign as a late round draft pick or even as a free agent you're not going to get paid the likelihood of you getting paid becomes a a little bit less I mean we can look at the last couple of years you have some guys uh, that have been drafted quite high that have starred uh, in the National Football League, I mean, you look, obviously, you go, let, let, let's go back to uh, to uh, Javon, Har- uh, Javon Hargrave at South Carolina State by the uh, Steelers, third round draft pick going back to the 2016 National Football League draft. Where's Javon Hargrave now? Well, he uh, is with the Philadelphia Eagles after uh, after uh, playing through his rookie contract. With the Steelers, and guess what? He's the highest played, paid nose tackle in football. Okay, let's look at uh, a, a, let's look at a Tariq Cohen fourth round draft pick uh, back in 2017. Let's look at Darius Leonard, a second round draft pick. Uh, both of those guys shining, per, uh, and I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> the maniac uh, Darius uh, uh, Leonard is absolutely gone berserk. So even more recently, you can look at some guys that have obviously can play and uh, have gone on to show what they can do coming out of HBCUs. But you get, you know, you get these late round picks. I mean, let's go back a, a little bit. Speaking of Antoine Bethea, Antoine Bethea, a six round draft pick. He goes to the National Football League Combine going back to 2006, runs a like a four uh, may have even four three, uh, at least ran a four three. Okay, he ultimately only gets picked in the sixth round. And guess what? From day one, essentially, he becomes a starter for the Colts. Rookie season, the Colts win a Super Bowl throughout the course of his career. Two hundred nine games played, two hundred started, three Pro Bowls, and a Super Bowl title. He was only a sixth round pick. Let me take you. Let, let's go back to the very beginning because. 
unfortunately uh, for HBCU players, uh, black players, and then even more specifically for HBCU players, uh, weren't always allowed to play in the National Football League. I mean, when you look at uh, the very first player that was uh, HBCU player, that is, that played in the National Football League was Paul Tank, Tank Younger, out of Grambling, 1949, and he was a free agent. What did he go on to do? All he went on to do was be named All-Pro three times and be named uh, to the Pro Bowl four times. Okay, you want to talk about another undrafted free agent, Willie Brown, uh, out of Grambling, also another Grambling guy. Undrafted in 1963, nine Pro Bowls or All-Star games, won two Super Bowls, finished his career with 54 interceptions in a 16-year career, and ultimately is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's go back to Willie Davis, just recently passed, former 15th round draft pick. You know what Willie Davis did, five NFL championships, uh, one of the greatest players to ever play the game guys can play we know that but for some reason the national football league drafts these guys low or uh signs a lot of these guys as undrafted free agents why because they don't want to pay these guys they don't want to pay these guys you know if you're a late round draft pick and you're you sign with the team you come to training camp you're going to get some kind of guarantee maybe I don't know what it is. You know, let's just say it's like $35,000 or something like that. If you come in as an undrafted free agent, you're going to make somewhere like seven, you know, five, seven thousand $7,000. So you make significantly less. But I mean, I'd rather be an un, an, an, an un, signed as an undrafted free agent, uh, as opposed to getting picked in the sixth or seventh round. Um, I mean, the money, I, I'd rather. Uh, be in a position where I can sort of control my own destiny or sign with a team that best fits what I'm trying to do as opposed to to a team that drafts me and I get, you know, I, you know, thirty five, I mean, thirty five thousand dollars or whatever it is. I mean, the, the, the in the bigger scheme of things, I'd rather have more of, of, of my freedom, if you will, than a, a bigger guarantee. Even I mean, we're not it's not like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, you know, big ups to Lechavius Simmons, who we're going to talk with, who was ultimately drafted, who I think the Bears like a lot and I think is going to make the team. But, boy, we want to see more HBCU players drafted. Speaking of Lechavius Simmons, he joins us next. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. That's 800-579-0107. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, 14-year National Football League veteran Antoine Bethay, and also a conversation with Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The lone HBCU player taken in the National Football League draft was Lachavius Simmons out of Tennessee State, a four-year starter for the Tigers, drafted in the seventh round by the Bears, and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Lachavius, congratulations and welcome to the program. 
All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, you coming on. I know it's been busy uh, virtually. First of all, how are you and your family doing uh, uh, amidst this COVID-19 pandemic? Um, everybody's doing great on this end. We've just been trying to stay in the house and just not go out as much as possible, but still trying to get the work in. Yeah, what what was what was last week like for you beginning on Thursday as the draft began on Thursday and then ultimately uh, uh, concluded on Saturday? But not even about you getting drafted right now, but what, what was last week, the latter part of last week like for you? Uh, it was pretty exciting. Like, I was getting phone calls all last week, and, like, I really didn't know what to expect at first. But I, I had been talked to the Bears, but I really didn't know what to expect because it was other teams calling too, um, showing interest. So I was just just waiting. I knew I was going to get drafted on Saturday, but I just didn't know what team was going to draft me. I was just just really relaxed. I wasn't I wouldn't stressed out or nothing. I was just relaxed and just put it in God's hands. Yeah, and that's all you can really do. Like, what what were you hearing from uh, anyone when you may be drafted? I'm talking about prior to the NFL draft. Uh, happening? Were you hearing? You know, what were you hearing in terms of where you may be drafted? Oh, uh, they were saying like I probably go like, and either the, through the sixth or seventh round. So I was just just waiting till my day, and we was just I was just with family and just just relaxing. Take us through what that moment was like when you got the call, and then ultimately. Uh, saw your name uh, having being drafted by the Chicago Bears. Uh, it was it was an amazing moment, but uh, Coach Nagy had called my phone and I was out um, just talking to my brother, and then he was like, "Is Pig ready to be a Bear?" And I was like, "Is it official?" Because they was they was calling me uh, like earlier that day and like let me know like they wanted me, and I was like, "Is it official?" And he was like, yeah, man. He was like, it's pig ready to be a bear. And I was like, yeah. And I was just excited, man. Then I just told my family and everybody ran to the TV. And then it was just it was just a very emotional moment. Yeah, that's that is great. Like, you know, when we watched the draft or if anybody that watched the draft, it seemed like, you know, players were just sort of sitting around. I, I don't know if that actually happens. I think that may have been more for the moment or something that had been pre-taped. But you I mean. Were you, I mean, I know you had your phone by you, but were you, do? I guess you were doing other stuff throughout the course of that time, no? Yeah, we was, we was just doing a little family barbecue, just having a good time, man. Lachavius Simmons. Just enjoying this special day. Yeah, it's a very special day. Lachavius Simmons now, a Chicago Bear formerly of Tennessee State, heard his name called in the seventh round of last week's National Football League draft joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. Tell me about the nickname pig. How'd you get it? Uh, my grandma, like when I was younger, uh, I used to just pig out on them collard greens. And <laughs> that's how I got the nickname pig. <laughs> picking out, you still picking out on those collard greens? Oh, yeah, I had me some last night. I had some <laughs> collard greens, some nick bones. <laughs> now, is that, <laughs> so look, now, is that a lot, like you're in training though, right? Like, is that allowed right now, though, Lachavius? Oh, yeah, man. As long as you burn it off, it'll be all right. <laughs> no question. T- tell us, how, how how were you able to, you know, talk about the preparation for the draft, especially um, you couldn't really work out uh, with anyone per se. How, how did you prepare for this year's draft? Uh, Pretty much I was just, like, when I when the COVID-19 stuff started, I just came back home and then got with one of my old trainers from high school, uh, Eric Jackson, and pretty much, he just been helping me out this whole time I've been home, and I've been working out on the farm, too, down in the country. Yeah, but, so, yeah, tell us about, I was reading about what the bells of hay, that's how how you grew up, throwing bells of hay and so forth, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir, them square bells of hay down there in Orville, Alabama, throwing them on the gooseneck trailer. <laughs> how heavy are those things, man? Uh, they, they about, like, 30 pounds, but once you throw about... 250 bales of hay. Hey, that's a good workout. <laughs> I have no doubt that it is. Latavius Simmons joins us here uh, on the program. You know, I, I, in reading, I mean, it, it seems like the Bears um, really like you. They also seem to have plans uh, for you. Can you speak to that and maybe some of the conversations that you've had, you know, further with Matt Nag- uh, Nagy and the Bears? 
Uh, pretty much. We just just gotta like they pull the trigger on drafting me. It's just up to me now, like to come in and work and learn the playbook and just show what I deserve on the on the on playing squad. Do you feel like maybe you should have been drafted a little bit higher? I'm just blessed to be drafted. Uh, I ain't gonna cuss question God's decision. Like it was all in His hands. So just go with it. Lachavius Simmons, I heard his name called in last week's National Football League draft, joins us here on the program. So ultimately, speak about the four years um, at Tennessee State and what those four years as a starter, by the way, meant to you. Uh, Those four years was amazing. Coach Russ Arnfield, he pretty much molded me into the player I am today. Like he, uh, he he was real big on your feet. Like, I just listened to everything he told me and just ran with it, and, like, it just turned me into a great player. And I'm really blessed to have him as a coach all five years out, well, all four years I was there. Yeah, you know, what what did you know about Tennessee State coming in? I mean, the thing about it, you look at, you know, the draft, uh, you know, going back maybe some six or seven years ago, and quite a few guys, as a matter of fact, it was one year that a couple of guys, a couple of uh, linemen, uh, offensive linemen from Tennessee State were drafted. What did you know prior to coming ten- to Tennessee State about, you know, the draft situation uh, more respective to the offensive line? Uh, I pretty much already knew about Coach Russ Ironfield's resume because he was um, the coach who had came down to tell him how to recruit me. So, like, he pretty much laid out his format and, like, laid out his resume and told me, like, was telling about all the guys he had producing to the next level. And he pretty much sold me on that one. Then I just went up there and just listened to him. And I'm on the next level now. Yeah, no question about it. Lachavius Simmons again heard his name called in last week's National Football League draft out of Tennessee State. Joins us here on the program. So you mentioned a coach coming down to Selma High. Tell us ultimately uh, how you ended up at Tennessee State and then maybe what other offers you also had. I had plenty of other offers. It's just Coach E had stood out because he was he was a very loyal coach. Like and he came down to just about every week almost. I was like, Oh, this man coming out here every week, like he must really want me and then he changed actually changed my position because I was playing defensive line in high school, but he seen how long my arms were, he was like, Man, you need to try a tackle. So I had ended up moving I was playing both ways my senior year and just when I did just start pancaking guys. And then I went to Tennessee State. Yeah, I had a chance to see some of the film that uh, that the Bears put together. You looked pretty good, man. Sprung a couple of nice blocks, like you said, pancakes some guys. One of the blocks you sprung uh, for Chris Rowland, who ultimately um, uh, got a touchdown in, in, in on this particular play. But, you know, speak to playing with a guy like Chris Rowland, who ultimately has now signed a free agent deal. Oh, man, it was amazing playing with Chris, man. Like, we still talk. We talk every day. We was playing the game, actually, last night. And we we always taking it with like a little thing that Coach Harris had said. He was like, man, you got to find it. And we was always encouraging each other and just trying to lead the team. That man's a, that man's a hard worker there. And I, I know he's going to make the roster in Atlanta. He should have been drafted. Yeah, no, no, not, no question about that. Uh, you got a tweet from Titus Howard, first-round draft pick last year out of Alabama State. Um, you know, speak to the tweet that, um, you know, he sent you and, and what that meant to you. Oh, it meant a lot. Um, man, Titus, we, we was talking on and off through this whole little process because uh, Coach Tavares Jackson had linked us up, and, like, we was just talking for for a good little minute, and we were supposed to begin some work in this offseason. Yeah, sounds like a plan, man. What You spoke of Tavares Jackson. What did he mean to you? Very tragic loss. A very young man at 36, man. What did he, you know, mean to you? Man, Coach T-Jack, man, he meant a lot to me. And it really hurt it when I heard the news because, like, me growing up in Alabama, like, I used to watch him when he used to play at Alabama State. And when I went to HBCU, it just, like, pretty much encouraged me, like, guys can make it out of HBCUs and, like he meant a lot, and he's always been in my ear, like, talking to me, encouraging me. It was like, man, your hard work and your dedication, like, man, you're going to make it to the next little pig. He was like, just keep working, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. A couple of more thoughts with Lachavius Simmons. Heard his name called in last week's National Football League draft, seventh-round draft pick by the Chicago Bears 
out of Tennessee State. Uh, your versatility, can you speak to that, having played not only tackle but some guard as well, and, and perhaps the Bears um, looking to use you um, at at, uh, at both guard and tackle? Um, Coach E pretty much helped me with that too. Like when I came in, I was just trying to help the team, and then I was just learning everything. And once I learned everything, I just just started working on it every year. Started working on the right side, started working on the left side, and then it just started getting easy. And then I could just bounce around and go anywhere. Again, yeah, so what? How are you still continuing to uh, to train and, and get ready? Obviously, we don't know when the season's going to begin or when things are going to open up. But you know, how are you still uh, training? What, what's your training regiment like? Uh, pretty much, I train. I train every day. I do my um, offensive line work, and then I go lift weights, and then I get some treatment afterwards. And I just pretty much do that every day and just try not to be complacent and just get better every day. Follow him on Twitter at TrenchMob60. TrenchMob60 is Lechavius Simmons' Twitter handle. He is now a Chicago Bears seventh-round draft pick uh, out of Tennessee State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Lechavius, we appreciate the time, man. Continued success in everything you do and, and continue to stay safe. Thank you very much. You got it, Lechavius. We've got more after this small pause for the cause. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. If you want to react to anything that Lechavius Simmons had to say, former South Carolina State tackle, was the a seventh round pick by the Bears. You can of course hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row B O X T O R O W or on Facebook B O X the number two R O W. And in that very first segment, I talked about the fact that only one HBCU player was selected in last weekend's draft. Just one HBCU player and it continues to go downhill. You know, my my point of contention, main point of contention is that these teams don't want to play these players. And I've given examples as to a lot of players that were either uh, late round draft picks or free agents. And again, it's very important to remember last year on opening day rosters, there were 30 former HBCU players on opening day rosters. 14 of those players were undrafted free agents give me your thoughts and of course i had a chance to write about this on box to row.com want to switch gears a little bit and talk about college athletes being paid as the board of governors for the ncaa approved a a, a broad set of recommendations uh to address the issues in terms of college athletes being paid and um, they've taken the big step towards players being able to benefit uh, from their likeness. And we've had this conversation for a number of years, but it heated up maybe at the early part of this year. It really started, or maybe, maybe it was the latter part of last year, really, really started to heat up to the point now that the Board of Governors has approved this. I mean, it's still, you know, we're still a long way away from this happening, but it looks like we're moving towards that. And I have a, you know, I have some issues with this. Like I believe that college athletes should get some kind of, uh, I don't want to say paid, but at least some kind of stipend. They should generate some kind of revenue. I mean, you're a college athlete, um, especially in these, uh, in these, in the revenue sports more specifically that I think that, that the college athletes should generate or should be able to generate some kind of revenue. I think the problem, and I've said this before, I think the problem or the issue becomes when you allow for an athlete. And, and I guess if I'm looking at this from a real life perspective, and, you, and the NCAA has all of these rules, and I generally, you know, I, I don't, the NCAA has been very controversial to say the least. And I don't, I'm not going to say I, I necessarily agree with. Uh, a lot of the things that the NCAA has to say, but I think the amateurism piece that the NCAA has in place where college athletes don't get paid, I'm okay with that for a couple of reasons. I think, and I've said this before, I think that when you start to open this thing up 
to if it's across the board. In other words, if you gave some kind of stipend and I don't know what that stipend would look like. I mean, do you give a, a college athlete during the season maybe five hundred dollars a month or something like that? I mean, I know that's you know, when when you add that up and, and, and again, do we do we just only do it for revenue sports? Uh, do we does it go across the board for the uh, for all student athletes and all sports? I mean, I don't really know how that works. I guess in the real world with uh, the situation that is presented where an athlete could benefit from its likeness, I guess in the real world that that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I think because um, then it's up to that person uh, to be able to go out and benefit from their likeness. The problem, and, and that's in the real world, but the problem I have from an NCAA standpoint, a college athletic standpoint is this. I think that something like that, where you have, again, these athletes are young. They're anywhere from ages, generally speaking, 17 at the youngest age to maybe 21 or 22 years old. Some are, are can be older, but generally 21 and, and 22 by the time you're finishing up your senior year, if you do it in four years, is that it's not, Across the board. So now you're saying athletes can go out and they can uh, have something added, meaning that they can go out now and solicit their own deal. Well, what about the athlete that isn't able to get that deal? Does that create some kind of jealousy? Does it create some kind of tension in the locker room? And these are young people. It's not like in professional sports where these things happen all the time and there's an understanding that the better players are going to get paid. That's the understanding. You understand that as a professional, you're taught that as a professional in whatever sport it is that you participate in. But now you're saying to a young, uh, a young woman or a young man that you can go out and this person can go out and maybe, benefit from their likeness because they're a star player and then this person would not be able to uh, be able to get that same benefit and I think that's I mean ultimately I think that could cause problems in the locker room I can think that can cause some uh, dissension among players uh, and then you'll you're going to have sort of a mess on your hands I think so that's one of the things the other thing with respect to the NCAA and and I mean, you can ask the question, does a scholarship uh, equal what you bring as an athlete to a university? Um, you know, I mean, because even further, like the offensive, an offensive lineman, like as an offensive lineman, I mean, probably the most important position on the field uh, is the offensive line or the offensive line or an offensive lineman. Like is an offensive lineman going to be able to go out and get what the star quarterback could get or what the star running back could get or what the star defensive player can get. And I think that definitely can cause some dissension. It's amateurism. It's there's a reason it's amateur sports. You should not get paid uh, per se. Now, if we're talking about some kind and that's in my opinion. Now, if we're talking about some kind of stipend uh, across the board where everybody gets the same amount, because like, for instance, when you go on trips, it used to be when I was in college athletics, you'd get as a student athlete, maybe 30. It's been a while, you know, 20 years ago or so, close to 20 years. You'd get like $30 a day. You get a certain amount for breakfast, certain amount for lunch, certain amount for dinner. I realized $30 even 20 years ago doesn't go a long way. Um, but that's sort of how it was. But everybody got the same amount. Again, I'm all for a stipend where you give a player, you know, I don't know what the amount is, $500 a month, $250 a month, you know, because the other thing that this particular situation does with respect to players being able to benefit from their likeness is it takes the NCAA off the hook and it takes the schools off the hook from a financial standpoint. Now you're saying, OK, and, and you're saying, OK, now players go out and get your own deal uh, and we meaning the school and, and it's still a lot of stuff to iron out with this, but the school nor the NCAA has to come out of its pocket to pay a player. So the NCAA is absolved 
from spending money on a player. The schools are absolved from spending money on a player. I mean, I think if anything, it should be, again, as I mentioned, something across the board. I don't know what that looks like. Is it $500 a month? Is it 200? Is it a certain amount during uh, per month that you make while you're in season? And then a certain amount that you make out of season? I'm not sure. I think one of the better ways to kind of look at this situation is from a sponsorship standpoint. Um, and I realize it can't be across the board because you have, you know, you have the power five schools. Then you have the, you know, the schools that are are, are, are are tier below them. Then you have the ones that are below them. Then you have, you know, FCS programs. You have division two, all of those things. But is there a way that per sponsorship of athletics departments or certain teams that the athletes can get money from those sponsorships? I mean, I've realized that a lot of times when uh, these various uh, athletic programs are sponsored, some of that money goes back into the athletics program. It goes some of the kickback obviously goes to the school who obviously controls athletics. The athletics department, generally speaking, for most institutions is a is a large marketing arm of the university. In other words, you know, you have schools that aren't making um, money in athletics. Per se, there are a few HBCU schools. There was a study, at least the 2017-2018 season uh, that ran in the USA Today. It broke down um, what each and every school made or the revenue it generated and then the revenue that was spent and then what the plus minus on that was. I mean, from an HBCU standpoint, it seems like, you know, there were a couple of schools that uh, I, I think the, the, the biggest HBCU that spent the most money in 2000 had the biggest budget 2017-18 was Prairie View A&M actually um uh and then they saw I think I think Prairie View A&M broke even or almost broke even A&T is on the plus side A&T makes at least from that study uh is on the plus side there were some other schools that were on the plus side as well there were some schools that were on the negative side big time but even with that said can we pay the athletes a stipend uh, or, and, and, and what is the, you know, with respect to the NCAA, what is that television money from, uh, from the, uh, NCAA tournament? What, what is that used for? Why can't we pay students from that? Why can't the NCAA, uh, have a responsibility, uh, in this? If the schools have to pay, maybe the schools don't have the money to, but, but, but something has to change. The players need to get some kind of stipend. They need to get some kind of payment. I just don't think that going out and uh, uh, being able to, uh, in essence, sell your likeness. And they they even mentioned social media because you're going to have players that have, you know, massive social media followings. I just don't think that that's the way I think it's going to cause a lot of dissension, uh, as I mentioned, amongst various teams. And again, this is not. College sports is not professional sports. It's not. It is not professional sports. I think sometimes we try to equate college to professional. It is not. It is amateur sports. It is amateurism. And I don't think that players should be able to make money off their likeness. But again, uh, should players receive some kind of stipend, um, maybe sponsorship from uh, uh, a respective uh, company uh, to be able to pay these players in that manner. Maybe each, you know, if you're uh, you're charged as um, whoever the athletics director for marketing or the one that's uh, that that's generally responsible for the money part of things generating revenue. Uh, and and I, I don't know. Maybe you assign an AD, an assistant AD, to each individual sports, and that assistant AD goes out and solicits money from uh, from sponsors for the various sports, and I mean non-revenue sports as well, to be able. Then that money goes to paying the players. I don't know, but we got to do something. But I don't like the idea. I want. I think athletes should get some kind of revenue, but I just don't think selling your likeness is the way to go. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one my personal Instagram account is where Donald, follow me while you're there. Got more from the Press Box to Press Row on the other side. It's Donald Ware. 
from the press box to press row. Hope you're continuing to be safe where you are. Thank you for joining us each and every week right here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Join us on the conversation. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. In the last segment, I gave my thoughts on college athletes being able to benefit from their likeness. I'm not in favor of that. I'm in favor of some kind of payment stipend to college athletes, but not in favor. And I gave my reasons why, and hopefully you heard those. And if you have anything that uh, you want to say about that reaction to that, again, hit me up via Twitter uh, or Facebook. The previous segment to that talk with Lachavius Simmons, now former offensive tackle for South Carolina State, was drafted by the Bears in the seventh round. The only HBCU player drafted, the only HBCU player drafted. And in the first segment, I gave my thoughts on that as well. And remember, you can go to our website, BoxToRow.com, where I've laid out my thoughts on the National Football League and HBCUs. So the NBA, also Major League Baseball looking to, uh, well, the NBA looking to resume its season while the while Major League Baseball is looking to begin its season, I think with, you know, I, I think with and it's interesting because with respect to the NBA, Commissioner Adam Silver has said he doesn't want to put the NBA receiving tests above what the general public is able to receive. But I think if you have the means to, in fact, do that and. I mean, that's the thing. We're looking for ways to be entertained. And if if you're able to do that and have the means uh, in which to do that, as long as I guess there isn't a shortage to the public of tests, then why not do that? Uh, I, I mean, it's it, you know, we need and in general, some for, we need a, some form of entertainment. And I think I mean, when you think about uh, the psyche of people, I mean, you know, when it's not a lot to do, I mean, you, you know, if you if you don't have the right mindset, your mind can run wild. And I'm not you know, everybody's not a sports fan. I get that. Everybody's not a fan of the NBA. But I'm just saying the more forms of entertainment, I mean, it's, but so much you can watch, you know, Netflix and Amazon. And so I mean, so it's but so many so much you can do that, although I guess you can. <laughs> it's interesting. As a matter of fact, um, uh, not Netflix, but on TCM. Turner Classic Movies, they had like three or four straight black exploitation films starting. It was on Wednesday, starting with Shaft. I had a chance to sit down and watch that, and then I recorded the other three. I don't remember what they were. Last uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, TCM had Black Mama, White Mama on, which was of course starred Pam Greer, which was was pretty good. But I mean. With respect to the NBA, that's where the NBA is looking to to start things up. Major League Baseball is looking to start things up. Well, NASCAR is going to start things up. NASCAR is going to begin resuming its season on May 17th in Darlington. May 17th in Darlington. And then NASCAR is going to go to, I believe, in Darlington three days later on May 20th. And then go to Charlotte on May 24th. And then three days after that, the 27th, another race is going to take place in Charlotte. And I was on the conference call, the media conference call, a lot of questions being asked. One of the things that's going to happen is there's only going to be uh, allowed 16 people in the pit area for the respective teams. One of the questions came up, well, the pit areas are crowded as they are, but Um, generally in those pit areas, and I've had a chance to see that at Daytona, you'll have not only pit crews, but you'll just have regular people like right or right near. There's a separator uh, closest to the track um, where you have just people generally walking around, whether it's sponsors, whether it's family members of the pit crew of the drivers, et cetera, or whether it's media members have had a chance. So it's really, really cool. But to the point, nobody's other than, Race personnel is going to be in that area, so it allows for the race teams to spread out. And so NASCAR is going to do a lot of questions still need to be answered. But 
things look like they're going to be moved in a positive direction and uh and and we'll see but again first race or resuming the nascar season is going to take place on may 17th in darlington will the media be there in some form or fashion the media will be there the the races will be televised but we'll see we'll see what media is going to be there so at least nascar is making its return so Let's talk a little bit about The Last Dance. The last couple of weeks, The Last Dance, the documentary about the last season of the Chicago Bulls is really centered on Michael Jordan and really Michael Jordan as you've never seen him before. And let me tell you, me coming up, and and it's been a debate, and I had a debate with a buddy of mine who's, who's 39, and we both grew up in Washington, so I think he said he had a chance to see Mike. He was, you know, about six years younger than I am. But had a chance to see Mike when Mike came through at the old Cap Center to play the Bullets, and he's more he he when he compares Mike to Jordan, he he I'm sorry Jordan to LeBron that is um, he thinks LeBron is a better player. I think Jordan's a better player. I think you know was a greater player. I don't you know I I think you have to measure greater and better as two different things when you're talking about both Jordan and LeBron. I think when you look at Jordan, he was the greater player, 6-0 and in championships. I mean, look what Jordan did for the league. If, if Magic and Bird and then Dr. J helped to save the NBA, it was Jordan who took it to another level. You have LeBron who, no doubt, I mean, when you look at the skill set, the body type, I mean, this guy, uh, and, and, you know, I had sort of an epiphany, if you will, during the course of this season when the Lakers were playing and I'm like, man, LeBron is really good. Boy, the NBA is going to be different when LeBron is not around. I wasn't necessarily a LeBron fan, but I wasn't, I didn't dislike LeBron either. I mean, I sort of appreciated his game and appreciate his game. And really it was just this one game that the Lakers were playing. I'm like, man, this guy is really, really good. But going back to those days, I, I was not a Jordan fan. You know, I was not a Jordan fan at all. I mean, I would almost call myself a a Jordan hater to some degree. I was such a Magic Johnson fan, and I thought uh, that, and rightfully so, Jordan was getting a lot more credit. But he even, and I can distinctly remember, as great a player as Jordan was at the time, the, the, the times and some buddies in, of mine, and myself used to have sort of these discussions at lunch when we were in high school about who was better between Jordan and Magic. I mean, at the end of the day, Magic had already had five championships. Jordan had zero, zero championships. So that that was when I'm when I was thinking about Jordan and Magic, Magic had that in his favor. But as time has gone on, I've grown older, man. Jordan, Mike Jordan. I mean, and, and I wasn't around to see Bill Russell and or really more so probably Wilt Chamberlain because he was more of an offensive force than was uh, uh, than was Bill Russell. But, I mean, the, the greatest player I've seen, and I've been fortunate to come on the heels of the 70s era of basketball uh, into the early 80s when teams were really, really good, like the Mavericks were really, really good, Rolando Blackman and Derek Harper and, Sam Perkins. I mean, you had some really, really good teams that we don't really talk about because during and in because in the eighties it was dominated by the Lakers and the Celtics. And then on the outside, a little bit you had the the, the not not the Rocks, but the seventy sixers, you know, had had a run and the Pistons, of course. Um but man, Michael Jordan was so good, like he is the greatest player. And this documentary just brought back a lot of memories. It opened up a lot of things, this thing between he and Isaiah. And I thought Isaiah on first take last week had some very poignant remarks with respect to him not being on the dream team in 92, which when I think back to that and look at that now and how great Isaiah Thomas was, that was absolutely, absolutely a travesty that Isaiah Thomas was not on that dream team for whatever reason. They say it was because of Mike. Um, he, he didn't want Isaiah on the team, but as Isaiah pointed to, he was the player rep and unanimously was voted as the player rep. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
So let me switch gears one more time. Last Saturday, the godfather, Marino Kassam, passed away at the age of 85. Marino Kassam was a phenomenal, I mean, a great football coach. There's a reason he was called the godfather. As a matter of fact, uh, he was nicknamed, from my understanding, the godfather by Roscoe Nance, who passed away back in January, who we've talked extensively about here on the program. Big, big uh, influence uh, on my life, no doubt. And by the way, the MEAC had put together these HBCU coaching legends on on uh, the MEAC's YouTube page. I invite you to go and watch those. They've done uh, quite a few of them, including one on Marino Kassam. And he won four black college national championships. Um, he's he coached at a couple of different places, was a, was a, an athletics director, uh, but most notably at Alcorn State, where he was absolutely phenomenal. Four championships, including uh, in 84, um, during that whole, you know, Mississippi Valley State and uh, and, and the Satellite Express and Archie Cooley. And boy, I tell you what, there's an iconic pitch, picture of Marino Kassam, Eddie Robinson and W.C. Gordon, who was the head coach at one time at Jackson State. You talk about three phenomenal coaches. No doubt about it. Marino Kassam is in the College Football Hall of Fame and went on to coach uh, a, a bunch of players who went on to play in the National Football League. I mean, you look at I mean, you look at all corn state when I was doing the research for um, the piece and the, the, the top 100 NFL players that played at HBCUs for USA Today. I mean, it was so many. There were so many all corn state players uh, that had played in the National Football League. And that was because of uh, Marino Kassam. And we uh, we salute Marino Kassam, one of the greatest college football coaches ever passing away at the age of 85 last Saturday. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Latavia Simmons for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Before I get out of here, big shots out to Elizabeth City State and uh, WRVS, one of our, our affiliates. Um, and um, I had a chance to go uh, virtually, that is, and speak with the students during uh, their media week. And so I had a, a great time sharing the story of Box to Row and answering the students' questions. So big shots out to Elizabeth City State University. For more information on From the Press Box to Press Row, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Chase the tracks of my tears.